Hi, welcome back to The Cake with Jane and an extra special guest host. It's called The Cake because there is a cake for everyone. Whether it's walnut, chocolate, fruit, red velvet, you name it, lots of different cakes. And we think it is definitely something that unites us here at Salisbury District Hospital. We've got a great episode coming up for you all about the menopause. But before we get into that, I need to introduce to you my guest host. Hi, I'm Paul Stevens. I'm the Clinical Director for the Division of Surgery and I'm also a consultant plastic surgeon here at Salisbury District Hospital. And also joining us on this episode, we have Lydia Davies, who is our Deputy Head of Communications and Cathy Pooley, our Information Governance Deputy Manager. But we all know people are so much more than just their job titles. So as you're our guest host, Paul, let's start with you. What is something that no one else will probably know about you well given my physical shape it may not be immediately apparent (laughs) but um, I have been a very keen cyclist in the past I spent a number of years in Australia and I had the privilege from cycling from Sydney to Melbourne over a 10-day period um, which was a great opportunity to explore the Australian outback and get a friend some strange looks dressed up in lycra with a cycle helmet in some outback pubs a phenomenal experience. How, how far was that in total distance-wise? Oh, I think we did about a thousand kilometres over ten days, back and forth across the Central Divide. In Lycra. In Lycra, in the hot Australian <laughs> autumn, so more than summer. Would it be inappropriate to say that it was a bit saddle sore? Um, if you look after those areas, <laughs> <laughs> they're fine. Excellent. Moving on to Lydia, what is something that people in the Trust probably don't already know about you? So I've done a lot of singing in my past and I have been on an album with Yaz who sung The Only Way Is Up and was on her latest comeback album which was 2008 called Running Back To You. Oh my word. And my brother-in-law produced it. That's amazing. Very impressive. I know, she's a really lovely lady as well actually. I remember that, school discos. But you can't help but sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, Kathy, I've had quite a varied career, and one of those particular jobs was being a children's entertainer. And I oh, wow. used to dress up as a clown and go and um, have various uh, parties and um, organise the children in there. I had one particular one where I went to. Um, I got given the task to go to Lloyd's Bank in Holborn and turned up there with various face painters and various things. And uh, there was 500 children there, plus all their parents. So that was a little bit intimidating. Holborn, London? Yes. Oh, right. So you had to travel there? Had to travel there, had all my my face makeup on everything, which used to um, be quite interesting when people saw you in the car and uh, (laughs) looked at you, had all my, my clown gear on and everything else, and then turned up, yeah, and entertained 500 children. I suppose in London, someone dressed as a clown isn't that unusual, really, is it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Anything goes. <laughs> Fab. Okay, so um, moving on to today's um, topic, we are covering the menopause. And if you didn't know already, in the NHS, and especially at Salisbury, over 75% of our workforce are female, majority of which are over 35. So some may already be experienced symptoms of the menopause or be experiencing it. Before we go through what we're going to discuss. Paul, do you mind starting with a definition of what the menopause actually is? Well, I mean, as a doctor, we often think about the perimenopause as that start of the transition towards the menopause. It's when the hormone levels start to drop. It can last months or years. It's incredibly varied in each individual as to the symptoms they get. And then, of course, you 
end up in the menopause where the standard medical definition is no menstrual bleeding for greater than one year. But, you know, as you're both champions of the menopause and the trust, it's so much more than a dry, mm -hmm. sterile medical response. And, you know, I think part of our excitement today was to discuss with both of you, you know, what does the menopause mean for you? And as a trust, what can we do to better understand and support that, given that 75% of our workforce is female? So if we start with yourself, Lydia. So I was diagnosed as being perimenopausal at age 38, which is super duper young. And the only reason I found out I was perimenopausal was because I was having difficulty trying for my second daughter. So I came here to see Dr. Fountain. He obviously told me and did all my levels and had lots of investigations. As it happens, we were really fortunate and um, our little miracle came along and so we had our second daughter. And then about four months after having Lily, I was experiencing some really horrendous symptoms. And I think it's probably worth noting that previous to that, I didn't have any symptoms at all. So I was told I was perimenopausal, but didn't have any real symptoms with it, apart from I wasn't falling pregnant. Yeah. So about four months after Lily was born, um, and, and we had a terrible time with her as a baby, just you know, lots of different things, lack of sleep, etc. I was getting really, really bad rage is the only thing I can describe it. And it was this overwhelming need to scream, to shout, to kind of hit things. I was forever crying. Um, I had these horrendous skin problems where I suffered with eczema all my life, but this was on another level of itchy skin and flared skin. And I was just putting it all down to my hormones of just giving birth, yeah. breastfeeding, lack of sleep, and I wasn't really sure what was going on. I also was just getting terrible migraines. And so I went to see my GP about six months postpartum and she diagnosed me with postnatal depression. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that that's kind of fits the bill. Yeah. But she hadn't mentioned to me at the time that kind of I was perimenopausal before. And to be honest, because I wasn't experiencing symptoms, I also wasn't putting two and two together. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, these symptoms went on and on and on. And I eventually was kind of doing my own research and looking into it. And I was like, I was ticking every single box for being perimenopausal, not sleeping, skin problems, this rage that I had, this brain fog, like the, the simplest tasks, like I could not put together a shopping list. So I do online shopping, do it every week. And I just found it so hard to put a shopping list together. It was much more of a chore than it should have been. Yeah. Anyway, I went to, to have some more bloods done and they, they basically said, yes, you, you, you know, you're now in full-on menopause. You know, my periods had stopped, everything else. We probably need to put you on HRT. But because I was so young, I was so nervous about doing that. So I went on the waiting list here, um, but actually I went privately in the end, went to see Newsome Health, and I've been on HRT for six months now, and it's literally a game changer. Changed your life? Yeah. I mean, there's still a few ongoing things, because I don't think HRT is the sole 
kind of thing that causes all of these symptoms that I was having to stop. It's definitely a lifestyle thing. And I've made some, you know, different changes. I don't drink caffeine anymore or I drink very little. I try and exercise more, although I need to do more of that. It's just trying to find the time. Um, So I'm definitely still experiencing some symptoms, but compared to a year ago, literally so different. And when you first started experiencing those symptoms, did you talk to anyone? I spoke to uh, my doctor about it. And yeah, some of my friends and, and, and close family. But if I'm being honest, I think the rage part, I did keep some things back as to what I was doing. So I was physically biting myself in the end because I was that frustrated, didn't know how to control certain situations. And obviously with you know, two very young children. Your your temper is short anyway with lack of sleep and everything. And so, yeah, I suppose some of that I kept back because I was embarrassed more than anything. But it was my mother-in-law who witnessed me doing it to myself and she was like, enough's enough. You've got to go and get some help for this. And did she think it was perimenopausal or did she 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 didn't really mention it but she just said you you know you can't carry on as you are you know you're you're struggling you're I think I was just trying to just cope and I think because I was told it was kind of postnatal depression and then just before um, Liliana was a year old I was back into work and you just keep this you know I've just got to get through I've just got to keep going and then Behind closed doors, things were really falling apart. And it's just really difficult because you you want to, you know, I think as a mother, you want to, you, you have to keep going for your children. But also, you know, you've got to keep the job down. And you just, yeah, I've just always been like, just try and keep going, keep positive. But actually, in hindsight, I probably should have listened to my own body a lot earlier. Because I was suffering probably for 18 months before I yeah. seeked help. So it's a long time. It's really sad to hear that you firstly said you felt slightly embarrassed and ashamed, but also yeah. that you were suffering in silence yeah. because the conversations aren't out there. It's not happening. We were saying earlier, weren't we, Paul, that we just don't talk about it enough. And I think that's one of the things why I'm so passionate about, you know, being a menopause champion and wanting to kind of share my story is actually people need to open up about it yeah. a lot more yeah. and to talk because... Yeah. I actually didn't have friends I could talk to who could relate yeah. because all my friends are... You're so young. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm 42 now. And even my elder sisters, you know, they're kind of six and eight years older than me. They weren't going through menopause. Oh, wow. So even I couldn't kind of relate to them. And when that happened at work, did you feel able to tell anyone at work? Did anyone know or were you suffering? This was all in silence yeah no I, I I wouldn't have felt confident enough to talk to people at work I think it, I was in a new role anyway and I think you know it takes time to build relationships yeah. and trust with the people you work with and I definitely have that now and I talk very openly with my team about what I'm going through and you know other members of my team who are female are going through it other people who have got partners that are going through it yeah. so actually the conversation is is definitely there within our team and wider because obviously I'm part of the Women's Network and Menopause Champions and obviously we've just signed the Menopause Workforce Pledge and, you know, those are all really positive things. But I did feel very alone, very alone for a very long time, actually. And the the symptoms you've 
mentioned, Lydia, the the, the rage, um, the the brain fog, etc. I've, I've heard all of that before, but I've not heard about this the skin. Is there any other symptoms people should probably be aware of that we've not discussed? I had really dry eyes, like really dry eyes. I've had hair loss. Yeah. Um, the list does go on. Like there's loads more symptoms I've had, but. And if someone wanted to look up the symptoms, I'm, I'm assuming it would be fair to say that NHS the website has lots of information. Loads of information. Yeah. And I also used the Balance app and did their questionnaire, and I think I did every box. Oh, um, I still am on the journey. You know, not yeah. every month is the same for me, and sometimes, depending on external factors with family and what's going on, symptoms can come and go. Um but yeah, I just wanted to share my story because I hope that if other people are out there that are of similar age to me can actually feel that they can come and talk because sharing's caring and all that. Oh, <laughs> and again, you had you were new to the trust, but I mean, more than seventy five percent of our staff are female. Do we need to do more? You know, as a male line manager, do I need to do more? You know, how do I? look out how do I help you know how do I do more so I think education is key because there is so much I still don't know about perimenopause and I'm learning new things as I'm experiencing it and I think the thing is that everybody's different and there are common themes as to what people are going through but actually that might display in a behaviour in one person very differently to a behaviour in another person. So I definitely think that there is more that we could be doing. I think we've made a start and, you know, but but actually getting that message out there and actually maybe having it as part of, I don't know, the wellbeing conversations yeah. that we're having with our colleagues is, you know, something to be, be mindful of. But again, not everybody's an open book like no. I am. I quite wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm quite comfortable with talking about my symptoms and sharing stuff comfortable now because I have formed a relationship with my colleagues I think there might be other people that actually find it difficult so actually if somebody approached them that might actually Be be the wrong thing and so I think it's just enabling people who are going through or think they may be going through the menopause to actually have a safe space to come to but also feel equally encouraged to to have that conversation with a line manager whether that be male or female to just creating that safe space where conversations can take place or cannot depending absolutely but i know culturally there are there are certain cultures that of which i'm sure that are within you know our workforce that actually it's a bit of a taboo subject and culturally they they are told they shouldn't be speaking about this type of thing so so how you know that must be very challenging and difficult for that individual as well i concur with everything that lydia has been saying um i've had a slightly different um experience with it being older there wasn't anything around when I and I had no idea I was going through anything I had all these sort of different things going on I felt like a bit I don't know whether you did Lydia where you um are you feel like you're outside your body yeah you're watching these things go on and it's like what on earth are you doing why are you getting upset yeah. why are you yeah. doing isn't it and you're standing there going this this person's mad what are they doing like a disconnect completely disconnected you know it's just um so I went through sort of, I had various um, symptoms, I think. I was never 
diagnosed. It was never talked about. It was, I've got brothers, so I don't have any sisters to go to. My mother was much older, so she obviously, I, and it just wasn't explained or talked about then again. Even things like periods and things, you know, you just didn't talk about at school. And mm -hmm. at my age, you know, I was at school in the in the 60s and 70s, so... Um, you just happened and you're like, oh God, who do I talk to about this? And it's like, well, here's a pad and then get on with it. Yeah. So going through all that and I had um, extremely bad periods and things. So it was all all within each other. You know, I didn't realise um, things were changing, things were happening. I felt the anger, the crying. That was one of those where you just sit there and just suddenly cry for no reason yeah. at all. And I had these uh, various symptoms like your... Um, Joints started aching and then you got the headaches and then you got the crying and then you got something else and the itchy skin and I'll come on to the itchy skin in a minute. So I went to the GP about various things and unfortunately with GPs, they do the sticking plaster on each thing. Yeah. It's never holistic. So it's never sort of like, oh, actually you've got this, this, this and this. Let's join the dots up. Let's put the jigsaw together and say, actually, this is what's happening to you. Again, it was very much antidepressants came out mm -hmm. and it's oh you're crying you know well here's some antidepressants that's what it must be but then I had a lot of that with lots of other different symptoms I had I, you know sort of the cramps the pains and whatever so um you know you have the, they don't talk about vaginal dryness all of those things that cause people huge amounts of problems you know their sex life and things mm -hmm. deteriorates and relationships Change. deteriorate yeah. because of things yeah. like that so I came to the period the time where my period stopped Thank God. Yes, that was wonderful. Let's get rid of them. I absolutely hated them all my life. Didn't want them. And then you have that period of a year or so, and then you start bleeding again. Oh. And it was like, because that's what, you know, yeah. happens to people. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, I ended up having a total hysterectomy, mm -hmm. which was fine. That was great. Wish I'd had a little bit more conversation with the consultant about it at the time, but it, you send, end up sort of going down a route. And then I remember asking and saying, oh, well, if I've had that, I need HRT then, you know, because I'd heard about that HRT, wasn't very knowledgeable at the time, but had done a bit of reading around some of my symptoms and things, went, no, you're too old. What? what? And I was 56 at the time, and I went, okay, so oh. I'm too old. And also with a total hysterectomy, you don't have the whole HRT, do you? So it's that, you know, you're going on the um, estrogen yeah. side yeah. of it, isn't it? So looked at that no 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 don't need it went to the gp asked about it nope no conversation that was it how long ago was that kathy uh 2016 so then i started doing lots of reading i thought this can't happen to other people in the trust this is mad i remember going to the head of um, occupational health at the time and going asking for about a menopause clinic yeah because the nearest ones to us were paul and bristol at the time wow so and i was basically told um, if you want something like that you've got to find the funding for it there was nothing there was no appetite in the trust at all but interestingly you said about the itchy skin um, I've got chronic urticaria and there's no reason there's idiopathic so there's no particular reason which is your itchy skin but I get hives oh. and and welts so which burns it's my histamine's gone mad basically yeah. it's, it thinks I'm having something wrong with me all the time I mean, just one, just one. When when you talk about symptoms of menopause, just one isolated on its own mm -hmm. is enough to drive someone crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you've got multiple, it's really debilitating. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's one of those things. 
I can't even remember who it was, but you know, a lot of people are like, oh, but everyone goes through menopause. Yep. It's not an illness. Yeah. And actually, some people coast through it. Yeah, My mother-in-law did. She didn't get one symptom. And I'm like, brilliant. But other people really, really suffer. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about time that actually, if there are things that can be done and we can educate ourselves, then the more that we can push that resource out to people, the better, I think. Definitely. It was interesting. Somebody said to me they they'd had a menopause or had, well, I'm post-menopause, well, I think, I, I don't know, I presume that can you get the menopause twice? Because they, when they were younger and they used to have the hot flushes and things and they'd stop for a while and then suddenly they were getting into their 50s and those hot flushes had started again. So it's an interesting concept, but it actually, it's like, well, the menopause doesn't actually go away. It might subside for a bit, but it can come back as you get, and I still and get, okay. yeah, and I still get, that hot flushes every now and again but not necessarily you know like when you get the head ones and whatever and it's not sort of like a flush it's like you suddenly get really overheated and extremely hot and you feel like you know somebody's put the heating on absolutely full for no particular reason and then you'll suddenly go cold again mine's an internal it, it sort of yeah. rises mm. into my Bang. face but it goes as quick as it yeah, comes yeah. but yeah. I've know other people that they they are constantly like that mm. multiple 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 times a day mine once or twice a day yeah but nighttime ones as well nighttime sweats and things yeah where you can absolutely wake up soaked yep i mean at work if you have hot how have you dealt with that because i mean that's always something that you know you've no control over you're in a meeting i mean how do you cope with that how it's do you fan and you see all the women come out with a fan don't they and sort of uh try and cool down but if you're you know you're at a desk it's you've obviously got a fan and things but it's the people on the ward the nurses on the ward isn't it and the, yeah. the sisters on the ward you know they haven't got the best of uniforms nope. as well very hot uniforms and then they're you know they're running around and then trying to keep cool as well it's just I mean I'm a layer person because I'm notoriously co a cold person anyway feel it but when I get the hot flushes so I'm all about layers because that's the only way I can manage it so We've talked about all the symptoms that you both have experienced. For anyone out there who's listening who isn't sure if they're going through the menopause, perimenopausal, what advice would you give to them? Talk. Open up. Talk to your colleagues, because some of them might be doing the same, but go and talk to professionals. Go and talk to your GP. And I think there are some really great websites out yeah. there now. Yeah. Um, and also we have our staff wellbeing portal, which has got a dedicated menopause page that kind of links to some of these well-known mm -hmm. apps and things like Balance that have questionnaires on there. I think the other thing is, though, with um, going to talk to professionals is that it might not be yeah. to do with the menopause. And I think that's the thing. Everybody suddenly gets to a certain age and you get your aches and pains and, and everything and you go, oh, it's the menopause. That's fine. And actually, there's so many symptoms that could be something else. Yeah, so, so all of these symptoms could be yeah. symptoms of something more serious. Yes, and it's important to don't dismiss them. And again, both of you have been incredibly resilient where you've sought help. And actually, the medical personnel in both cases have dismissed you. So it's, again, how would you guide someone to be assertive? How do you get that help when sometimes your GP has a 10-minute slot, your NHS male consultant doesn't take your symptoms seriously have you anything you would advise people to being persistent mm. because I just knew that in the early stages of having my youngest that it could have been 
anti, you know, yeah, postnatal depression. Course. But 18 months past that, having not been breastfed, I just knew in myself. And then the, the alarm bell went off. Hang on a minute. Before I got pregnant, I was told I was yeah. in perimenopause. Yeah. Why did I not think that this is what I'm going through? Like, an 18 months is a long time. And, you know, to be, to be honest, it, you know, it has really tested mine and my husband's relationship. Yeah. Thankfully, we've got through it. But, you know, I wouldn't have been able to if he wasn't as supportive and understanding, you know, genuinely. So for our male listeners out there who have partners, wives, other halves who are going through this, what would you recommend they do to support their, their loved one? Be informed. Go and look at some of the information out there as well. It's not just for your yeah. your wives, your girlfriends, your sisters, mothers, whoever. Yeah. You know, it's out there for everybody to look at it and be informed. And then you, you're going to have then some understanding, but it's trying to be supportive. It's really difficult. You know, men are going through many things as well, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So just before we finish today, obviously you've mentioned the menopause policy, the menopause pledge. What else does the hospital have that can support people? So um, I'm aware of the menopause clinic, which is run by Dr. Annie Hawkins. Um, so Cathy mentioned earlier the nearest one to her at the time when she was going through it was Paul and Bristol, I think. Um, but we actually have one here in Salisbury. I don't know what the uh, criteria is for getting on to uh, Dr. Annie Hawkins list but I know for me being so young I was kind of driven down that route but I just didn't want to wait that long so that's why I went private in the end but she's brilliant she does some talks some great talks as well and I think if you go to your GP say that there is a menopause clinic here because they might not necessarily know yeah so get them get them to refer you to it I'm not sure how long the wait is I suspect um probably maybe a bit of a wait but um definitely ask your GP to refer you Thank you so much um, for sharing your stories and being so open and honest and offering advice out there to people who themselves are going through it or, you know, preparing to go through that. Um, Obviously can't finish the episode without asking one of the important questions of the day. And I'm going to start with you, Cathy. Uh, What is your favourite cake and why? Well, looking at all these delicious cakes that are sat here, thank you so much for making them. But my favourite is a lemon drizzle. Oh, so I'm very happy because it's sat there. <laughs> Obviously, help yourself. And Lydia? Oh, carrot cake all the oh, way. Oh, it's the one I didn't make today. <laughs> but that's fine. Anything with frosting is good. Wow. And, you know, carrot cake kind of half makes you feel healthy. So <laughs> it's got some veg in it. It's fine. <laughs> and Paul, as our guest host. Oh, I'm a big fan of the lemon drizzle cake as yep. well. So good choice, Cathy. All right. <laughs> Two out of three happy. Brilliant. Brilliant. That was a really interesting conversation about the menopause there. I know I've learned some new information I didn't beforehand. How did you find that, Paul? I mean, I think both of our guests today were amazing. I mean, I think they were so honest and so open about their experiences. And I think anyone who's listened will have learned a lot. And I think certainly from, you know, a middle-aged man, I'd learned an awful lot today. Um, And I think anyone listening, it's, you know, phenomenal. And we just need to think about these things you know, and be supportive. Yeah, start the conversation. Um, so that's that for that episode today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can download or stream our podcasts from wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks so much to our guests. And I'm going to end with a phrase that we always end our podcast with. Um, Paul, do you fancy a slice? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>